Oh, good morning. Good Sunday to be here. We're starting a new series called I Choose, about life's choices, and we'll be talking about that for a couple weeks. <clears throat> and today's topic is purpose over popularity. Uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. I want to give you some background or introductory info about um, uh, decision-making. So, start with a simple question. Who are we? Who are we? Well, there's lots of ways to answer that question, but one answer to that question is what are the sum total of decisions we've made? Now, some of those decisions were made for us. When you're a child, parents make decisions for you, but we are the sum total today. What are the sum total of decisions that have been made for us and by us until now? And the decisions we're making now will determine who we're going to be in the future. Uh, dumb question, but who would choose to have fewer regrets in their life? Everybody, right? So the best way to have fewer regrets is to ha make what? Better decisions. Okay, this isn't rocket science. <laughs> so if we make better decisions, we'll have fewer regrets. Now we've all said things like, how could I have been so dumb? How could I not seen that? How, how could I have not known better? Now the problem with decision making is it doesn't happen in a neutral, uh, emotionally a neutral environment. We are emotionally invested in these decisions and that's why we make sometimes dumb decisions. We let our emotions override our logic. We've all probably been in some relationship where our parents or our friends or someone else told us, hey, that's, that's not a good relationship, that person's not good for you, uh, you shouldn't be dating them, you shouldn't be hanging out with them. But we did anyway uh, because we are emotionally invested, we had some uh, uh, attraction to that person. Uh, another, <laughs> not hypothetical question, but how many of you have something at your house you wished you hadn't spent money on? If you didn't put your hand up, you're lying. That's a, I have multiple things in my house that I wished I hadn't spent money on. Why do we do that? Sometimes it's ignorance, but other times uh, we just wanted it, and so we bought it. Then there's a category of decisions I call unexpected decisions. Um, you just didn't expect it. You all of a sudden got fired from your job. Now what am I going to do? Or, you know, your spouse leaves you, or your kid runs, your child runs off, or uh, some other crazy thing happens. Uh, your health changes just like that. And then you have decisions to make. The problem with decision making is this. We never know what hangs in the balance, do you? A simple decision, easy, maybe a, uh, next slide. Uh, decision you think didn't, was, might not have impact may have a big impact. Now those of you who are parents, many of us are parents, if you have children, you make decisions all the time for your kids that impact their lives. Um, I was an adult at this point, but in my sister's here. Uh, in 1975, I got one semester of seminary left, and my mom, we lived, grew up in Glen Burnie, my mom decides she wants to move. My dad had died years earlier. And so, May and Fred were living in Myersville, and my mom decided, well, let's, let's move to Western Maryland. So we moved to Middletown uh, that summer. I didn't really have any impact, in, impact on that, uh, input in that decision. My mom made that decision. But my whole life is different today because of that decision. Uh, Joined Myersville Baptist Church. The pastor suggested to me, hey, why don't you try and help this church out across the mountain? Washington County. Never been to Washington County. Well, I had been once. Dislocated my elbow, and Fred took me to the hospital in Washington County. <laughs> Only time in my life I've been to Washington County. 
And so at that point, I had a decision to make to go or help or not. So I did. I showed up in January of 76 at Eccles Mill Baptist Church. Long story short, before the uh, year was over, I was married. Before the next year was over, I became the pastor of what now is Greenbrier Baptist Church. My whole life would have been different if my mom hadn't made a decision to move to Frederick County. And so, we don't know what hangs in the balance. But we do know this. Private decisions have public ramifications, and we see that all over the news. Uh, politicians, uh, celebrities, sports figures, they've made private decisions that become public, and then they have public ramifications, and they're apologizing or losing their job and all these other things. So those decisions are important. Now, we all make decisions through a filter. Now, that filter, we have different filters. One filter for most of us is, is this going to be fun? Am I going to enjoy this? Is it going to make me happy? So this will make me happy. This is not going to make me happy. I'm going to choose this. For some of it, it's a moral decision. Is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? And not always do we choose the right thing to do, do we? <clears throat> or is this going to harm anybody else? If it's not going to harm anybody else, maybe I'll do it. That's another filter. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're not, we're delighted that you're here. But if you're a Jesus follower, you really need to make this decision with the caveat, is this what God wants me to do? Or is this honoring to God? Uh, would this be beneficial to the people around me? Now, when we make those decisions, especially like purchasing decisions, in reality, who talked you into buying whatever you bought? Now, the, I, I understand the salesperson had a part in that. But who actually talked you into buying whatever you bought? You did, right? You did. Once you get to that place where uh, you've got to have it, the salesman doesn't have to do anything else, does he? And it doesn't matter. We can rationalize. We can you know, figure out ways to justify uh, whatever it is. The op- flip side of that is you really have to sell yourself on a good idea, do you? You know, I know I should eat healthy. We talk ourselves into bad ideas eating unhealthy. I know I should exercise. We talk ourselves into bad ideas. Well, I shouldn't exercise. Uh, we, talk, we know we should be financially responsible with our money and save money and so forth. <laughs> we talk ourselves into spending money we shouldn't spend. Once your heart is set, it's hard to overcome. So why is it? Why is it we are so prone to, we're going to use the term, Self-deception. Because healthy is better than not healthy. Financial responsibility is better than debt. So why are we so prone to self-deception? Well, a guy in the Old Testament, a prophet by the name of Jeremiah, I'm just going to look at one verse he said to kind of set us up this idea of choices. Again, the wisdom here, if you don't believe in the Bible, that's fine, but the wisdom here is amazing. The heart is deceitful, that's an important word, above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? Now, let's start with deceitful. What makes it so dangerous is it's it's deceitful. If it was just dishonest, if we knew it just out and out lied to us all the time, we'd not fall for it so often, would we? This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden and and Eve, right? (laughs) Uh, Satan deceived her. He gave her half-truths and uh, she fell for it. Well, that's what our heart does. It's deceitful. So we have to pay attention and, and we have to analyze it and we have to have people help us. 
Now notice it says it's beyond cure. It means I can't fix it. It's always going to be deceitful. Uh, a little depressing, right? <laughs> so does that mean we shouldn't try? I know it's just the opposite. I need to be 100% attentive because I don't know when my heart is deceiving me. Now, don't always deceive me, but it, it can be deceitful. And so in this series, we're going to try and help you with some kind of bigger decisions that will help you with smaller decisions. And again, we can't understand it. We don't understand what we do, some of the dumb stuff we do. So the topic is purpose over popularity. This is a choice you and I make on a regular basis. Am I going to choose purpose or am I going to choose popularity? So I'm going to start with this. I want you all to put your imagination into effect here. I want you to imagine that everybody likes you. Everybody at school likes you. Everybody at church likes you. Everybody in your family likes you. <laughs> everybody likes you. All right? You finished with that? All right, you might as well forget it because it's impossible. All right? <laughs> it's impossible to get everybody to like you. But you can get one person not like, I would use the word like, but you could, there's one person you and I can please. Would you be interested to know who that person would be? So am I going to choose to please the one or am I going to try to please the everyone? Now the interesting thing about you and I, and we talk about purposes, if you don't know the purpose of a thing, you'll probably misuse that thing. I was at the nursing home this week, uh, my, my wife's stepdad and there was this thing sitting on his wheelchair. It was about this long, and it had kind of a, two things on this end and a kind of a grip thing on this end. I'm looking at it and thinking, what in the world is that thing? I didn't know what it was. I, I know what it's for now. I don't know what, it, what it's called. And he said, oh, that's to reach things that you can't reach. He's got a you know, grip and thing. And it's mostly loose, like put your clothes on. If you can't reach your feet, you can get your pants and kind of pull them up. So it's really a useful thing. To me, I thought it was a back scratcher. <laughs> this will work great. And it probably would work as a back scratcher, but that's not its purpose. And I wouldn't ask the thing, what is your purpose? But that's what we do. We ask other people, what is our purpose? <laughs> or, or what will make you happy with me? What will make you like me? But to find out the purpose of a thing, you don't go to the thing. You go where? To the creator of the thing. So, where do we want to go to find our purpose? We want to go to the creator of the thing. Who is the creator of you and I? Of course, God himself. Uh, So, on the outline, living for the approval of people keeps you from the purposes of God. And we're going to look at a character from the Old Testament, a guy by the name of Moses. Now, most of you know the story of Moses. He was born into a, a slave family, Jewish family, in Egypt. In fact, at that point, they were killing uh, the baby boys, and his mother hid him for a while and then eventually puts him in the river, if you've seen the Ten Commandments, and, and uh, somebody from the royal family finds him and adopts him. So he is, by blood, poor and a slave, but is living in the palace. That is as great extreme as you can get. And um, we don't know much about him for the next 40 years. <laughs> And so if you read the story in Exodus, we're going to look at something in the New Testament that's written about Moses, describing him. But uh, some, some dramatic events happen about the age of 40. 
Now, this is in Hebrews chapter 11. We're not sure who wrote Hebrews. Uh, but this chapter takes a lot of people out of the Old Testament and says the same thing about them. How did they identify all these people? It was by what? Faith. So we call Hebrews chapter 11 the faith, faith chapter because all these people did what they did because of faith. And that's true also of Moses. So it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, now like I said, he was like 40, so he was really grown up, uh, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So at that age, he made the decision. Am I going to uh, side with my blood relatives, Jewish people, or am I going to side with the people that raised me, uh, Pharaoh's family? And notice in the next verse what it says. He, what? What's the word? Chose. He made a decision. And he was, had made the decision one way up until 40, obviously, but at this point he made the decision. His choice was to share the oppression or the slavery of God's people, Jewish nation, instead of when you ex uh, choose one thing, you're excluding something else. So instead of enjoying, now notice the phrase here, fleeting pleasure of sin. We all know sin has pleasure involved or we wouldn't do it. Oh, I'm not going to sin because it's horrible. No, there's an attraction, there's appeal, there's a pleasure to it. But it's fleeting, it's short-lived. Uh, one preacher pr describes it this way. It has a kick, but the kickback is always worse. So it's fleeting. So consequently, it's easy for us to deceive ourselves because we're all trapped in the moment. And yes, I'm going to enjoy it now. Eh, hopefully, it won't, the kickback won't be so bad later. So he chose to share the oppression rather than the pleasure of sin. And notice the next verse how he describes it. He thought it was better to suffer. People are choosing better to suffer. I had no hands at all. <laughs> I'm not choosing to suffer uh, in most cases. But he said, I thought, he thought it was better to suffer, notice, for the sake of Christ or, or for God in his case in the Old Testament, than to own the treasures of Egypt. He had stayed in the royal family. Guess what? He would have inherit, inherited some of royalty. So he is choosing, obviously, some kind of purpose over popularity because he certainly wasn't popular when he made this decision. And of course, if you read the whole story, he felt called by God to do this. But why would he do it? And he tells us, the author here tells us, for he, meaning Moses, was looking ahead to his great reward. So the important thing about choices is choice, making choices is not to be trapped in the moment, but to think consequences, to think long term. So he made this choice involving suffering because the long term benefits were going to be greater. So let's use the question then. What is my purpose? Now there's the purpose with the capital P. And if you're a Jesus follower, Jesus answered this question for us. He was asked us one day, and he said, well, love God and love people. And then another time, he kind of even shortened that. He said, well, you can prove you love God by loving people. So my, I know my, if I'm a Jesus follower, my overarching purpose is to love people, first and foremost. Never go against that. I know that. But what it, I, important to us here is there are little P's, our little choices all the time. Daily choices. 
And Jesus described our choice-making, decision-making, this way. When you are faithful in little things, I'll give you greater things. So when you're making that little choice, well, uh, this person's kind of discouraged. I'm going to make the choice. I think I can encourage them. This person needs some little financial help. I've got some money. I will help them financially. Uh, This person needs something else. I'm going to spend some time and energy helping them with uh, this, this task. Those are the little P decisions we make all the time. But the interesting thing is we make those little ones, God gives us bigger ones. And sometimes in our lives, we get to those, I call them wow moments. We say, wow, I was doing what God wanted me to do, and look what's happened. What's, look what's, what has turned out. What great fulfillment has come from that. So we talk about purpose. We're going to give you three, I call them powers of purpose, as we make that choice over popularity. First one says, purpose, purpose diminishes distractions. One of the biggest issues for you and I are, for doing what we should do is distractions. And can't, the distractions today are endless, aren't they? But one of the big distractions, uh, we have some kids in school in here, is this popularity thing. I remember being a kid, and everybody wants to have friends. Everybody wants to have lots of friends. And... So often you have to make a choice. Well, this will make me less popular, but it might be the better thing to do, the right thing to do. But we can compare. We can compare our clothes. We can compare. I get B's, but that person gets A's. We can compare our money. We can compare our houses. We We can compare all those things. All those things are distractions. Uh, We talked about this a few months ago. This is this fascinating story in the Old Testament about this guy named Nehemiah who was a Jew, but he was living in Babylon. He was serving the king, and he found out that his hometown, Jerusalem, was in ruins, and it just had him so upset, and he's praying to God about this. Now, here's kind of a part of a clue to your purpose in life. If there are, are things that upset you, moral things that upset you especially, that might be a key to part of your purpose in life. So, he, long story short, he gets to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. And he's doing a great job. He's a great leader. He's doing a great job. The ball's getting built. But anytime you're doing what you're supposed to do, be doing, especially what God wants you to do, guess what happens? You're going to have resistance. You're going to have people trying to stop you. And so some of the leaders didn't like this. And so one day they came, came to him. He's actually on the wall helping build it. And here is a wonderful response. One verse, just one verse here. He says, I'm engaged in a great work, building these walls, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? I don't know if you consider building a wall around Jerusalem a great work, but it was a great work for him because it was what God had called him to do and his purpose in his life. And again, when it's from God, you're going to get resistance. In fact, the times I... (laughs) Wonder a little bit if I'm doing what God wants to me, if I'm not getting any resistance. Jesus got resistance, you and I should get resistance. But if we figured out is that the great work, we shouldn't let other things, lesser works, distract us. This is one of the ways that you could have the power to say no. Especially as believers, we have a Jesus policy. Sometimes we have trouble saying no. But you can say no to a lesser work when you're doing a greater work. This goes to that self-talk thing we talk about sometimes. So you tell yourself, 
Okay, you would like me to do this. That's a good thing. But right now, I've got to focus on this greater work. I went to seven years of higher education. <laughs> a long time. And spent most of that time working to pay for my education or going to school. I think I had one girlfriend that whole seven, seven years. I didn't have time for girls. People say, why would you spend seven years? Well, I had... Uh, it was for a purpose of getting to a greater work, being a pastor. So that's why I did that. Oh, maybe you're uh, driving a clunker of a car and you're packing your lunch, taking it to work instead of going out to lunch. And people are saying, hey, why don't you get a better, nicer car? Why don't you go out to eat with us? And you're saying, well, I'm trying to get out of debt. I'm trying to become financially responsible. One of the things we did was homeschool. Most of you know that. Uh, I think we got some kickback against homeschool. I I've told you this before. Our mothers didn't even want us to homeschool their grandkids. But we felt it was a great work that God had given us. Maybe you just made the choice to stay at home, be a stay-at-home mom. And somebody says, no, you should be a working mom. Uh, it's okay to be a working mom. Great work. You feel what your purpose is. Of course, this week, some of you are going to spend a lot of time, energy, and some of your money right here in this building. And some people are going to look at that and say, are you crazy? <laughs> Why would you do that with kids? We call it vacation Bible school. Uh, pouring into kids three hours a day, all week long. But that's your greater work. That's why you're doing it. So, it helps us with our distractions. Secondly, purpose helps us push through the pain. And again, when you're doing the purpose, Moses had all kinds of... Uh, he, he got it from both sides. He got it from the, from the Israelites that gave him a hard time, and then he got it from, of course, the Egyptians that gave him, gave him a hard time. And he had to push through the pain. How did he do it? Because he knew his purpose. God called, if you want to use that word, called him to lead the Israelites out of slavery into the promised land. So let me just say this to you. If you want to live by purpose, you can't be a coward. Especially if you want to live by the purposes of God. You're going to need courage. Because there's going to be pain, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be resistance. So how do you get through? Again, times I worry is when there isn't resistance. The way I put on your outline is this. Purpose is always paved with pain. The Bible uses this illustration, but I think it's, it's relevant to you ladies out here that have children, have born children. How many of you ladies have born more than one child? Put your hands up. Why would you be so dumb? <laughs> I'm a guy, I don't understand it, but I can read, and the reading tells me it's horribly painful. Right? First time you could have deceived yourself. The second time, mm -mm, you know. Now my wife chose the uh, the natural childbirth thing. I said, well, you know, maybe it's less painful the other some other way. Oh, that's the best thing for the child. And she chose nursing. I said, why? Because it's the best thing for the child, and that can be painful too. But purpose is always paid with pain. And those of you that had more than one child, does don't regret it, do you? In fact, the pain makes it of more, more value, I believe. So with my wife or when you watch it on TV, when it gets to that point, what does the doctor or the nurse always say? What's the one word? Push. <laughs> Breathe through. <laughs> Push. So when you're following the purposes of God and there's pain, 
Self-talk again. Push. Push through. That's part of the power of purpose. And the third power of purpose is this. It empowers us, you and I, to please God. Now, when I told you you can't please everybody, but you can please God, this is the creator and sustainer of the universe. You say, and most of you probably don't think you can please God. Most of you, maybe if you had, especially if you had uh, unpleasable parents. But the Bible tells you you can. So how do you please God? It was in the first verse in Hebrews that we read. It was by what? By faith. Another place in the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to what? To please God. All right? So it isn't if I'm a great preacher or if you're a great whatever you're doing. It's, am I living by faith? If I'm living by faith, I'm pleasing God. If I'm not living by faith, another way you say that is, am I trusting God or I'm trusting what God says? This is a wonderful story in the New Testament. Jesus has died for our sins. He's resurrected from Dave. He's conquered sin. He provided us a, a relationship for us with God. And the disciples get all psyched up. The Holy Spirit comes. And they're out preaching in the name of Jesus. And the, 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 the Jewish religious leaders getting really upset, so they lock them up and they bring them kind of on trial and they say, stop talking, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. That's what they tell them. And of course they said, okay, we'll stop. No, of course not. Because that was their greater work. That was their purpose. So here's a wonderful response. Just, just one verse out of Acts 5. Peter and the apostle reply, we must obey God rather than any human authority. We chose purpose over Popularity. We choose calling over comfort, if you will. Isn't it interesting? Name of Jesus. <laughs> For two thousand years, it's been causing problems. You can say higher power, whatever else you want to say. You don't have much trouble with people. You start saying about Jesus, you got you have problems. Now, why would they do that? Because they knew their purpose. And if interesting, you read a couple of verses later since. They get released. They tell them again, stop talking. And then they release them. And, 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 and it's a wonderful thing. I should have put it on the screen. They were rejoicing in the fact that they got to suffer for the name of Jesus. That's what they said. So are we going to choose rather, do you like me? How can I get you to like me? Do I buy these clothes people like me? Do I buy this, buy that, do this, don't do this? Or are you trying to please one? At least we know we can please one by faith. Can't please everybody or everyone, but you can please God. Next slide. Isn't that amazing? You and I, even in our sinfulness, in our fallen state, we can please a holy, all-powerful, omnipotent God. How do we do it again? By faith or by trusting. Another way we could use it is by obeying. And this is where fulfillment comes. You moms that had those children, fulfillment came from having those children. When you are fulfilling God's purpose for your life, that's where the fulfillment comes. Let's look at verse 26 again. He, meaning Moses, disregarded for the sake of Christ as... Uh, Disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value, I like that term, than the treasures of Egypt. Serving God, pleasures of Egypt. 
greater value is serving God. Again, because of the, the ultimate res- reward. So if you're in school, do well in school. Because there's a greater reward waiting for you. If you're involved in ministry, whether here at the church, out in the community, or some other ministry, do it well. It's a greater value financially. The Bible talks about tithing. Give them 10% of your, uh, of your income, at least, uh, to God's work. Why? Because that's a greater value than whatever you would spend that money on. It's a faith issue. It's a trust issue. It's an obedience issue. They're choices. So, today's topic is do I choose purpose over popularity? So I'm going to ask you all to repeat that with me if that is your choice. You don't, I'm not forcing anybody to do that. And I'm not twi- twisting your arm. But if you would like to repeat that with me, that's my choice. I'm praying it's your choice. I choose purpose over popularity. If you're a Jesus follower, you really don't have much option about that. I mean, yet you do, but you don't. If you truly want to be a Jesus follower, you have to do that. If you're not, I don't know how you figure it out, tell you the truth. But I have the benefit since I was a teenager to having God's help in figuring out my purpose in life. So if you're not a Jesus follower, we just ask, encourage you this morning to surrender. That's another word we can use. Surrender your purpose, your popularity, whatever it is, to God's purpose. The reward may be seem less, but the greater reward comes later. So I'm going to pray for you as you make that decision. We got uh, some homework, if you will, some questions you can answer. For yourself, uh, my main purpose is, what is your main purpose? You need to figure that out. It's important. And the part of that is, what is my main distraction? Is it trying to please everyone? What, am I, what, is, what is my greatest distraction? Another way to figure that is, what is my greatest pain? And then lastly, choose purpose, I will, whatever. So let me pray with you. The praise team will come and lead us in our last song. Thank you, God. We thank you for the wisdom in in the Bible. Uh, It tells us like it really is, kind of in our face with this deceitful heart thing. So let's be mindful of that as we make decisions, especially in this area of purpose over popularity. It'll help us make a lot of those little, little decisions if we make this big decision. So I pray for the Jesus followers here, God, that they would uh, uh, just just give up, just surrender. Like Moses and the others, um, purpose over popularity. There'll be pain involved. It'll be difficult. Uh, Jesus is our, our great example. He not only suffered the physical pain, but the emotional pain of being separated from you, God, on the cross when he cried out, why, my God, have you forsaken me? We can't imagine the pain. And God, we thank you that we can't please everyone, but we can please you. And it's not by, you know, preaching great sermons or giving away all our money. It's by living by faith. God, help us to do that. And for those of you not Jesus followers, we pray today would be the day. Somebody loved you enough to suffer and die for you. And not only to give you 
forgiveness for your sins, but to give you purpose and meaning in life and then eternity with God. I know it's almost too, sounds too good to be true, but that's what sacrificial love does. God, we thank you for that love. We pray that all of us will embrace it, accept it, and use it for our motivation for life. In Jesus' name, amen.